On this episode of The Great Sift, we are going to explore a passage of scripture that seems to have believers fall to one side or the other. The conversation surrounding worship music, how we worship, and why we worship can be an impassioned one. My goal today is not to offend your sensibilities, but rather help bring clarity and encouragement on how we approach God and worship of Him. We have a lot to cover, so grab a Bible, open your hearts, and let's get started right now on The Great Sift. Welcome to The Great Sift Podcast. Through weekly installments, we provide content that will engage, encourage, and empower you as a believer in Jesus Christ. We tackle topics of the day, host interviews, and provide a biblical view on what is happening in the church and the world at large. So, grab a Bible, open your heart, and let's begin to sift through all that God has in store. I want to make sure at the beginning to share with you that worship is one of my absolute favorite things to do, specifically worshiping in song. As the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." It literally tells us that whatever we do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all unto his glory and not our own. This is a great reminder and encouragement to us as believers. Worship doesn't end when the song does. Worship doesn't end when the pastor is done preaching the word. Worship and glorifying God is throughout our entire lives. It speaks to having a disposition, if you will, of worship to God. When our mindset is to do all in word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus, it helps to keep our lives focused on Him. So then the question becomes, how do we do this? How do we worship Him? He is infinite. He is holy. He is glorious. He is powerful. He is worthy of honor and praise. How do we, in our finite, sinful, fallen state, even begin to approach Him? What is the correct way? Is there a correct way? Is how we worship in our churches the correct way? Now, does the Bible actually even speak to this? The simple and short answer, especially to that final question, is yes. Yes, the Bible speaks to this and gives us clear direction Yet there still seems to be a debate that happens on this topic, uh, quite frequently actually amongst believers. The main reason that I find that it is debated is not due to an objection to scripture, but due to worship being such a personal experience for the believer that our expressions, they tend to look different. I believe that God loves the different expressions we give to him as long as it is done within the guidelines he has set before us. Different expressions could include modern-day worship songs written by churches and sung around the world to hymn books written hundreds of years ago sung congregationally, all the way to how my dad expresses his love for God. And it's kind of odd, but it's with a four-hour, quote-unquote, bluegrass gospel junction every Sunday morning from 4 a.m. to however, 8 a.m., right? Again, as long as 
as your expression holds to the standard Jesus set in John chapter 4, then keep loving Jesus the way that you do. The problem keeps coming up, though, that believers are unwilling to judge their expression according to the standard of Scripture in many cases. Let me first share with you what this standard is and how we are to apply it to our evaluation of our own worship expressions. In John chapter 4, verses 21 through 26, it says this, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus then says to her, I who speak to you am He. Wow. This passage is amazing. Jesus literally tells this woman that he is the Messiah. The woman Jesus is speaking to is a Samaritan woman. Now, Samaritans believed they should be worshiping on the mountain in which they lived. And she showed Jesus the disparity by saying that Jews believe that you were to worship in Jerusalem at the temple. So Jesus makes it clear. There is a time coming and is even now here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. He says it twice. He says it in verse 23 and in verse 24. God is spirit and those who worship him must, and I'm saying that with all caps, must worship in spirit and truth. So here comes the issue for us today. What does in spirit and truth really mean? This seems to be where believers are tending to fall one way or the other. So, let's quickly break down each word to understand what Jesus meant. To worship in, quote-unquote, in spirit is speaking that worship must come from within, sincere and full of love for all that He is and all that He has done, not just done for us, but all that He has done for the world throughout the ages. One who worships in spirit is also one who is led by the Holy Spirit. As a believer, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and abiding, or just means having relationship with Him, we are led by the Spirit to worship the Lord. Philippians chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs. This is Paul speaking now to the Philippians. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we, meaning the believers, are the circumcision who worship by, listen now, the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, when Paul says, look out for the dogs, he's using a term that Jewish believers would have understood as meaning heathens, people who have literally no hope in Christ. They don't believe in Christ. They're, they, they just don't want anything to do with them. And they are the ones who would try and convince you that you are simply worshiping, worshiping nothing but the air. 
Now, the evil workers are the ones who are false teachers, leading people astray into false doctrine and heresy. Remember, every book of the New Testament minus one spoke of being aware of false teachers. Philemon is the only book that does not talk about this. And lastly, the ones that mutilate the flesh is speaking of the Judaizers, or the, I don't know necessarily how to say that word correctly, but I think you know who I'm talking about. They were continually trying to get Jewish believers to return back to upholding the law, Jewish customs, and to worship through sacrifice. You see, Jesus has broken all of that away. Paul then makes a bold statement. We are the circumcision. The circumcision was a setting apart of the people of God. It denoted many things, which I'm not going to get into all of that, but Paul, for Paul to say this is monumental in declaring believers the ones who are set apart. We then are the ones who worship by the spirit of God. We worship, we are led to worship because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful understanding of who we are as believers. See, it's the Holy Spirit who awakens in us an understanding of God's beauty and splendor and power. It's the Holy Spirit who stirs us up to celebrate and rejoice and give thanks. It's the Holy Spirit who guides us in our exploration of Scripture and speaks to us through the preaching of the Word, through the singing of a song, through the conversation with the friend, through the helping of the less fortunate. You see, worship, if it's worship in all that we do, then through everything, the Spirit gives us the proper perspective and our heart is in line with Him. So, if that is worshiping in the Spirit, what does it mean to worship in truth? Now, this one is much easier to explain. Simply put, worshiping in truth, what you are doing is in the Spirit, you line up with the truth we find only in the Word of God. The objective standard of truth is so important in today's culture and seems to be getting ignored, undermined, and twisted to fit the perspectives of man at an alarming rate. Yet, as a believer, it is important that we worship in both spirit and truth. What we do, say, and sing must line up with Scripture. If it doesn't, then it's not even worship at all. It is actually against God at that point. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be against God at all. So here are the two sides. Someone worship in all spirit. Oh my goodness, all spirit. <laughs> they sing loud and they sing long and they want to sit, quote unquote, in his presence for hours. They love lingering at the altar and allowing themselves to just soak in the moment. They just want to be, quote unquote, led by him. And however our expression comes out must be from him, Right. Then there are churches and people that only want to be led by the truth. If our songs are not doctrinally sound, we will not sing them. Jesus didn't need a worship band, so why do I? <laughs> Sorry, that one catches me every time. I worship Jesus with truth. Truth is the objective standard, so therefore I don't need the emotional connection. I just need to rest in his truth. This is our expression, so it must be from him, right? Now, obviously, I over-exaggerated both sides for a reason, but would you be surprised if I told you an aspect of both of them are actually right? But both can lead to not truly worshiping Jesus at all. For Jesus said that we must, in all caps again, must worship in spirit and truth. 
and emotional connection sincerely being from our hearts has to be there. We have to connect with Jesus. It is important lest we become ones who merely worship God with our lips and have our hearts far from him. We must not simply lean on truth and say that since the music is doctrinally sound, then this is what honors God. No, we as people are to honor God. The truth is of utmost importance, but in order to stand strong for the Lord, our connection inwardly is just as important as well. Too often today, we see churches worshiping with all emotion and a smidge of truth. You see, it might pass the theological sniff test, but fails to fully encompass the truth within the song. Does every song we sing have to be rooted in truth? Yes, it must. If we are to worship within the guidelines of what Jesus spoke, then yes, we must worship in spirit and truth. What we are seeing today, however, is a lot of mainstream churches writing songs that pass a test of men, but not of scripture, at least not fully. Oftentimes, we will sing songs in churches that do more to prop up the person rather than glorifying God. Now, in order not to offend anyone, I won't mention who I'm thinking of specifically. If you want to know my opinion of who I think specifically, feel free to email me or catch, uh, catch me on social media or, or even just text me. I'm fine with that as well. But I will highly encourage you to ask yourself a couple of, que- a couple of questions with every song that you sing. Number one, is what I'm singing focused on God more than what I gain from God? I'm going to say that question again. Number one, is what I'm singing focused on God more than what I gain from God? Number two, does the song I am singing align with scripture? Does the song I am singing align with scripture? And number three, is the song I am singing written by someone or a church that teaches sound doctrine? See, this last question is very important. You may be singing a song that answers yes to the previous two questions, but no to the third. Why is this so important? Well, let's say you sing a song by a church that teaches false doctrine. The song may be fine to sing, but you, by playing the song, prop up that other church. A person may love that song, go and look to see who sings it, then start listening to the sermons and being taught false doctrine and led astray. I know that some people may think that sounds far-fetched, but I see it all the time. I have conversations with people, and this happens all the time. So it is important that we know that, we, that what we are singing and by whom it originated. I will end with this. I love to worship God in all that I do. If you lean too far on the truth in your songs and tend to decline the emotional connection, would you consider engaging Jesus in this way? Engage Jesus with an emotional connection where the song means something, yes, deeply rooted in truth, but it has to be deeply rooted in your spirit as well. See, he desires you to worship in spirit and in truth. Your faithfulness to truth, to a truth-filled connection is amazing, but there's another side to this as well. Now, in like manner, if you lean too far on being in the spirit, Be mindful that a worship experience is not to be able to disconnect from reality. It's not being void of what is going on around you or non-intellectual. The truth of the words that you sing matter. 
The depth of truth-filled worship is invigorating and necessary when we worship God. Now, while I may have some disagreements with John Piper theologically, he nails this one on the head. He's quoted as saying this, Truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy and a church full of artificial admirers. On the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the disciple of rigorous thought. But true worship, now listen, this is so good, but true worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep and sound doctrine. Strong affections for God rooted in truth are the bone and marrow of biblical worship. May our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you today and always. And until next time, may God truly bless you. Mm -hmm.